My one desire, my one desire, the only thing I want is to gaze upon your beauty, Lord, and to sing of your great love. I will seek your face for all. Father, that is our heart's desire, and I pray, God, that you would transform us and renew us here today, restore us, give us a new mind and a new heart. Lord, let it be renewed in the relationship that is found in Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you strengthen us here today. Lord, I pray not just our intentions and our heart's desires, but Lord, our actions as well. May we worship you. Outwardly, in spirit and in truth, may we continue to stop living in compromises, hurting you, 
and betraying you. But Lord, may we honor you from the inside and to outward, O oh Lord. Inside out, transform us and renew us and give us a new heart and a new mind here today. Lord, may we honor you in all that we do. And may we worship you in spirit and in truth. And as we transition now to the message, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here listening, Lord, may be pleasing your sight, O oh God. And we declare here today, we declare Hosanna and hallelujah. And we say amen. And we say, Lord, you are good. And that you are our king, our Lord, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the author and the perfecter of our faith. Strengthen us here today. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. All right, God bless you. God bless you, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's turn to our neighbor at this time, and let's greet one another. Welcome to our Sunday service. It's good to be here. I'm excited because we just finished the war series, and now we will continue on having our normal Sundays, where we will continue to talk and learn about the Word of God throughout the Scripture. And this week, the passage that the Lord led me to is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 10 through 12. And there are actually many scriptures here, so please pay attention, and please pay attention and take note so that we can always reference back. And with that, let's begin with the title. The title of today's message is called, Is It the Thought That Counts? Is it the thought that counts. Another alternate title I had was Got Good Intentions, like Got Milk. But again, uh, we've been talking a lot about our hearts. We've been talking a lot about the intention. But now I want to flip the coin and I want to talk to you about a harder topic that a lot of churches do not talk about, and it's about your actions. Can we turn to our neighbor and say actions? Action. And then say action. Yeah, like a movie. Okay. All right. Let's go to our first main scripture, 1 Chronicles chapter 13. Keep in mind, this is the same story that's found in 2 Samuel 6 on the story of David and Uzzah. 1 Chronicles 13, 10 through 12, it says this. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah. And he struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark. So he died there before God. Then David, keep it, just remember this word, anger. David was angry. Again, there are two types of anger, and we're going to get to that. But David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. Verse 12, David was afraid of God. Again, remember that word, afraid. David was afraid of God that day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? Amen and amen. amen. And since we cannot judge the heart of the individual, of a human being, because we cannot read each other's thoughts, we as Christians our call to judge the action. The scripture does not say to think the best of everyone's intentions. It does not, actually. In fact, the Bible is very clear that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible is very clear that we are sinners saved by grace and by grace alone. To think the best of everyone's intentions, that's what, what the Bible, the scripture tells us. For we do not know what's inside the minds and the hearts of that individual. Up until this point, I've briefly touched on this topic. I've mentioned here and there. I've talked about, yes, it's about your intention, but your action. And I've never really gone deep with the scripture. And that's why I want to talk to you today about your actions. Intentions that leads to godly actions. And scripture teaches us to see and to judge the action of the individual, especially the Christian community. To think the best of everyone, the Bible teaches us, is foolishness. 
For again, we are all fallen creatures. And the reality is, Romans 3, again, 23, I just said it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is our fallen nature, and that is what we are. Be careful of those people who say, the nature of humans are good. That is not true at all. I mean, yes, we are capable of doing tremendous good, but at the same time, we are capable of doing tremendous evil as well. We know history, World War I, World War II, and we think that we're not capable of committing evil, such evil, the evil that the people committed, especially during World War II, the empire of Japan or the Nazi Germany. If you think that you're not capable of committing such evil, you're mistaken. You're blinded by your pride, and you're living in a lie, in deception. Every human being is capable of such evil. All of us, even the best of us. So today, let us take a look at these two stories found in the Gospels. The first story that I want to look at is found in Matthew 25, verse 1 through 13. And the heading of the title says, The Parable of the Ten Virgins. Ten Virgins. And it says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lands and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lands, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Verse 6, at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Verse 9, no, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. What this part is teaching us, be careful how deep you go into the cave to help someone who is lost inside the cave. Instead of losing one, you will lose two. You will lose both of your lives. Don't go beyond the life rope that you have wrapped around you. Be careful. You need to make sure that you are well first before you can help someone else deeply. So continuing on, it says, Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Verse 10, But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But we replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Again, that's the first story, the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. Let's go to our second story. Again, it's the number 10 found in Luke chapter 17. Jesus heals ten men with leprosy. So ten leopards. Verse 11 says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Again, you cannot get close to a person with leprosy back in the day. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Imagine being cleansed from leprosy. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, one of them, when he saw he was healed, I'll say it again, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Again, Samaritans are the enemies of the Jewish people. It's very clear. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from, it matters what you do in your faith, in your action. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where's the rest? 
Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Amen and amen. amen. Both of these stories combined, six individuals are the only ones who are commended and received, and they were ready to receive the commendation, the, the love and the, the love and the acceptance of our Lord Jesus Christ. In both of these stories, Jesus does not reveal the intentions except for their words and their actions. Meaning we judge by what we see, not by what we think, our intentions. This is why the scripture teaches us to be wise. In this life, in this world, in this earth, the life that we live, be careful, be wise. He says in Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as sure as snakes and as innocent as doves. So we must see from the lens and the perspective of what is right and pure, and we must make sure that our actions are in line with our intentions. The rest of the five who are the foolish ones, who did not have the oil ready, they may have had excuses. Oh, but my family was this, or this was happening in my life at this time. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about your intentions or the good intentions that you may have had, but it's about the action. God calls us to live a life of action, of godly action that will please Him. Even in the story of these ten leopards, only one is the one that took action and came back and praised Jesus and thanked Him and to praise Him for what He did for Him, the healing from His leprosy. Therefore, that response that Jesus gives is, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Can we turn to our neighbor? And can we say, is it the thought that counts? Is it the thought that counts? Let's go to our point number one. Point number one is this. Having a good intention doesn't make you innocent. And when I say innocent, I mean pure. Was Uzzah's intentions pure? The scripture that we just read earlier, our main scripture found in 1 Chronicles 13. I'm sure, I'm sure it was pure. Was Pilate's intention, was it pure? I'm sure it was. Maybe. However, their actions were not. And they'll be judged not by their intentions, but by their actions. If you read the story of Matthew 27 about the story of the Pilate, verse 19 to 26, it gives us a story and a glimpse of Pilate, the first man to judge Jesus before his crucifixion. And it says in verse 19, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, again, he was in power. He, it was up to him to make the decision whether Jesus is going to be murdered or he's going to be saved. His wife sent him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. He was even warned by his family to not persecute Jesus, but he doesn't listen. It says in verse 20, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Verse 21, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. Again, Barabbas was a known criminal and they said, Barabbas, release him. Verse 22, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting. He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. 
All the people answered, His blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas, the criminal, to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Just because you are a bystander does not mean that you are not guilty. So again, so point letter A, when in the position of power, commit to justice. For example, the pilot. He was in the position of power. It says he was sitting on the judge's seat, and he did not commit to justice. When in the position of power, commit to justice. Letter B, when in the position of a bystander, commit to justice. That's what Jesus says later in Matthew 25, the scripture that we just read about the ten virgins. Later, a few verses later, in that same chapter, Jesus says, he talks about the goat and the sheep. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, as a senior pastor, it ministers justice. This includes elders and all the leaders in the church. D, as a layman, laywoman, and minister justice. Who are laymen and laywomen? It's you. Those who are sitting in the pews, the congregants, as a layman, as a laywoman, and minister justice. E, the church must commit to in ministry justice. Amen and amen. And I've witnessed many leaders throughout my years of doing ministry who have cowered away and did not act to correct. What we can learn from this passage in the scripture that we just read in Matthew 27 with Pilate, good intention does not equal righteousness. Just like the story of Uzzah, we know that God was angry. His anger burned against Uzzah in 1 Chronicles 13. And therefore, God's wrath had broken out against Uzzah and helped and killed Uzzah on the spot. Again, and the context is, it doesn't say it in First Chronicles 13 version, but, it, 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 but the Second Samuel 6 version, it says there were about 30,000 people, young men only. So imagine there's more. The women, children are not listed here. But we see that there's a huge amount of people, witnesses, who are witnessing this event. And we see that God's anger burns against Uzzah and kills Uzzah on the spot in front of everybody. Why did God kill Uzzah? Because they were doing it all wrong. As I mentioned in my previous message, the ark of God represents the presence of God. They had already lost the ark of God previously, because they were not careful with it. They didn't treat it with reverence. What they were supposed to do was put the ark of God on the shoulders of the Levites, the priests. And the instruction was very clear. Your action must be clear. It needs to be carried. But what they did was they put it on an oxen, on a cart, with wheels, and it was shaking. Again, the grounds were not level back in the day. It was messy, and therefore the ark of God almost fell due to their disobedience. And because it was about to fall, Uzzah, even though his intention was pure, even though his intention was good, oh, I'm just gonna go and help it, it was already wrong to begin with. Why? Because it was witnessed by over 30,000 people. So I would say your action is very important because we do not live in a world where we have superpowers and we could read each other's minds. We cannot. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what your intentions are. Only God knows. But from human to human and from us before God, yes, our intentions need to be pure, but we need to make sure that our actions match the intention. The heart, the heart of worship. Amen. Amen. So having a good intention doesn't make you innocent. Point number two. Now point number two and point number three are going to be together. 
And just please pay attention because it could be a little confusing. But after I finish point three, you will have a full understanding, I promise. And even the warning, it may be a little hard to understand, but please pay attention. So point number two, righteous offering that stems from righteous worship is what's absent in our churches today. I'll say it again. Righteous offering that stems from righteous worship is what's absent in our churches today. So let me share a scripture with you in Genesis chapter 4. And I want to use Cain and Abel as an example. So again, Genesis chapter 4, verse 2 to 13. It gives us two characters. It says in verse 2, later she, again Eve, Eve is the mother, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of them, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So again, Cain, so Cain was very angry. Remember what I said about David? He was also angry, and Cain is also angry. And his face was downcast. Verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its cross for you. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. So quickly, so point letter A, Abel's worship and offering was accepted. So that we see it in Genesis 4, that Abel's worship and offering was accepted. B, Cain's worship and offering was, they were rejected. It was not accepted, but it was rejected. C, Abel was murdered. And D, Cain, murder. Meaning Cain was the murderer. Abel and Cain's intentions are not revealed here in, in the scriptures here today in Genesis 4. But we are able to judge correctly by looking at their actions. And we know that one was evil by what they did. And the other was good by what they did by their actions. And reality is, to many of us, and almost all of us, our worship, when we come to church on Sunday, when we prepare ourselves during the weekday, when no one's watching us, our worship, our offering is not like that of Abel that was pleasing to God, but it is of Cain's. And that should scare us. Because it says Cain was a murderer, and even though Abel was murdered, he was innocent and he was commended by God. In other words, we think we are good. We think our worship is acceptable. We think our offering is acceptable, but it is not. In fact, it is rejected by God himself. The action. So what was point number two? Righteous offering that stands from righteous worship is what's absent in our churches today. Again, two and three are together. Point three. Let's quickly go to point three. Righteous action that stems from righteous indignation is what's absent in our churches today. I'll say it again. Righteous action that stems from righteous indignation is what's absent in our churches today. If you don't know what the word indignation means, it means anger. Anger. 
So righteous anger. Righteous action that stands from righteous indignation is what's absent in our churches today. For example, churches, especially nowadays, it's all about love, 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 love with different colors. Love, love, affirm, accept, accept, love is love. And this is all that you will hear churches today. Pride, pride, rainbow, rainbow, pride. Love, love, love is love. However, we need more of righteous anger in our churches today, and it is missing. Righteous anger, righteous indignation, righteous action that stands from righteous anger that is from the Lord. In other words, we are not angry enough. Everyone is too afraid to step on each other's toes. We're so afraid of hurting one another's feelings. And when we see something wrong, oh, it's just better not to get involved. We're too afraid to speak up. Our standards and our bars, do we know, men and women of God, is set to the utmost highest. What is a standard? It's a standard that was shown in the main scripture that we just read here in First Chronicles chapter 13. The standard is high. The stakes are high. God's holiness is the peak, is the standard, is the utmost highest. Why? Because our God is a holy God. And going back to the two scriptures that I share, the main one with David and Genesis 4 with Cain, both scriptures tell us that they were both angry. But there is a difference between righteous anger versus worldly anger. Here with David, we clearly see that he mimicked the heart of God, the anger of God, the righteous anger of God. First Chronicles 13, going back and reading once again, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah. And he struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark. So he died there before God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. And Cain, it says in Genesis 4, so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And Cain's anger led him to murder. The difference between David becoming angry versus Cain becoming angry is that Cain was worldly, David was godly. Cain was evil anger filled with devilly anger that led to murdering. David was righteous anger filled with righteous indignation that led to change. That's what we see later. The next verse, it says, David was afraid of God that day, meaning he had reverence to God even more. Yes, he had reverence before, but he was even more careful now. He realized what he did was wrong, and he repented. How can I ever bring the ark of God to me? He was not arrogant. He knew the message. The message was clear that I need to humble myself and I need to make sure that I have righteous anger within me. Whatever burns God's heart with righteous anger, my heart also needs to mimic that righteous anger. Righteous anger, righteous indignation. The definition is things that anger God. So when God sees sin in us, when he saw Uzzah, and us diving into sin, God is filled with righteous indignation. As human beings, when we witness child trafficking, people engaging in illegal activities, people taking advantage of, we must be filled with righteous anger. Not maybe, but it is a must. We need to. Because if you do not, then there is something wrong with our faith. In fact, the question you need to ask yourself is, do I even have true faith? Am I in the faith? And the answer is, I think not. I don't think so. I know not. 
We need to realize we humans are so evil. And I hope that we know this by nature, we are corrupt. Yes, we're amazing creatures, again, capable of doing so much good, but yet at the same time, we're capable of doing so much evil. That's why the scripture says in Galatians 5, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But it gives us the flip side of the coin. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, meaning patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. He's saying, be careful. Be careful that your anger does not lead you to sin as it did with Cain. But may your anger lead towards in doing what is right in your action, in correcting, in disciplining, and setting the bar and the standard high. Why? Because our God is a holy God. And all of us, when we are angry about something, we must keep our anger in check. And our anger must not, if it's not kept in check, it will lead to sin, to pride. That's why it says in Ephesians 4, 26, 27, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a photo because the devil will take hold of your heart at an instant. Never end your day with anger. Righteous anger worldly anger, turn it to the Lord. And the Lord will show you the way in doing what is right and pleasing in his sight. So quickly, so point letter A, righteous anger is good. Righteous anger meaning indignation. B, but be careful. Don't let it lead to sin. C, oil is good for the vehicle, but when there's access, it destroys D, keep your anger in check. E, check the motive and the attitude of your heart. F, do nothing to take revenge. G, channel your righteous anger into doing what's good, meaning put it into action. H, overcome with love and action. But Romans 12, 19, it says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. So we understand by point number two and point number three, by looking at these two stories found in First Chronicles 13 and in Genesis 4, the difference between David and Cain is that righteous action that stands from righteous indignation is what's absent in our churches today. Righteous offering that stands from righteous worship is what's absent in our churches today. We need to check ourselves. Where do we stand? Do we stand on the path of Cain or on the path of Abel and David? Just because you have good intention doesn't matter. David and 30,000 men, all of them, they all had good intentions. But it was clear what God wanted. He needed them to follow his commands the way that God wanted it, not the way that I want to do it. That's why we don't pick and choose what time and when we want to come to church. We make sure we come on time. We honor God with our action. We honor God by the way that we dress. We honor God by the way we speak. We honor God by the way we act. Be careful of anger. And lastly, and I'm closing with this, uh, priest, you could just stay, but 
I want us to just read the scripture on the screen. But four is only Jesus can make our tree good towards righteous actions. Only Jesus can make our tree good towards righteous actions. The Bible says we are like a tree planted by streams of living water. The Bible gives an analogy, a picture of every human being as being like a tree. He's saying, he says that if the tree is bad, then the leaves and the fruit will be bad. But if the tree is good, the leaves and the fruit will be good. I mean, of course, what you have inside, it will show on the outside. So what makes it a good tree? When it is rooted in Christ, when the tree is rooted in Christ, then only can we be truly good. What can give us this good tree? The Bible is very clear. Only Jesus Christ can make us and turn us into a good tree. And the scripture found here in Matthew 12, again, I said in the beginning, we're going to have a lot of different scriptures here today. The last scripture that I want to share with you is found in Matthew 12, verse 30 to 37. It says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. What is it talking about here? It's talking about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. What is that? Why does Jesus say anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What does that mean? I thought Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Trinity was one. What is the difference? It's talking about the people who reject them in the flesh. It can happen because their hearts are rebellious and hardened. And it was hard for them to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Fully man and fully God. That's what Jesus says, forgive them for they do not know what they do. But here, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is talking about a continuous blasphemy. The continuous blasphemy is the rejection of the Holy Spirit, right? After Jesus died on the cross, he died and he rose again. He gave every human being on earth an opportunity to give their life to him. And there are people in our lives, in our family, who are continually rejecting God, who are blaspheming against God. God is revealing himself to them through you, to use you, to bring the gospel to them, but they continue to reject and they continue to live in the world. Therefore, it says, anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. That's the start. To make your tree good, you need to turn to Jesus Christ. You need to turn to him and you need to believe in him and you need to receive the Holy Spirit. That makes us good. That makes us holy. That makes us righteous. That makes us set apart from the world and it saves us and it saves us as an individual and it turns us into a good tree. And then it goes on, verse 33, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's talking to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. How can you who are evil say anything good? He's saying your tree is, is evil, is bad because it is not rooted in me. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, and your hearts are full of pride. Verse 35, a good man brings good things out of the good store up in him. And an evil man 
brings evil things out of the evil store up in him. But I tell you that everyone, everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you'll be acquitted. And by your words, you'll be condemned. In other words, your actions. By your words, by your actions, you'll be acquitted. And by your actions, you will be condemned. Amen. And amen. And before this, again, the context of the scripture is the teachers of the law, they are pointing at Jesus and they accuse him that he is working with the prince of demon. He's accusing Jesus of being possessed. And that is why Jesus is saying, no, I'm not. And I am not evil. You are evil. Your trees are evil because your roots are not rooted in me, but it is rooted in in the world. So ending with this, so point A, only Jesus can save me. B, all, any, every other way is the wrong way. The path of the Pharisees, the path of the teachers of the law, it is the wrong way. There is only one way, let us see, there is only one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. And this message is very, is very dear to me because, again, uh, this weekend was a very tough weekend. A lot of different things happened, and, and God was really teaching me about checking the motive of my heart and also my actions. Not just the motive of my heart, but my actions and make, being careful with my anger. Yes, we may say it's righteous anger, but that righteous anger can quickly turn into sin. And I went through something personal this weekend, and I realized how evil I truly am, my heart. And because my heart wasn't fully surrendered to God afterwards, I tried to figure it out on my own. It led me to sinning and really trying to figure it out in my own strength, which led to the heart of Cain, where obviously we know what happened in Genesis 4, where it led to him murdering his own brother Abel. So we need to check ourselves. We need to check our hearts because at any moment, we, the devil, when he takes a hold of our heart, it's, we're finished. We're not strong enough, but we need to surrender our anger, our righteous anger, our worldly anger, everything that we have, we need to turn it to the Lord. And then in turn, our actions will be right and pure before God. Amen and amen. amen. So again, is it the thought that counts? Yes and no. Yes, it's the thought that counts, but make sure you go ahead and you get the gift, right? Write the card. Commit to action. Amen. And amen. Do both and be both. That's the safest way. And it's not going to be easy, right? Because sometimes we don't even know what we're thinking. Sometimes we don't even know what the motive of our heart is. Sometimes we do just to do because it's just part of our routine, pattern. But we need to always know why we do what we do and why we do it. And at the same time, make sure the good heart is shown outwardly and that we love and we are compassionate and we, are, we show empathy and we show self-sacrifice. Just as it says in Matthew 25, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Amen. Amen. All right, with that, uh, let's invite the priest team to come up. And I'm going to pray for us. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we love you. Heavenly Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to us and that you strengthen us here today. Lord, may we be not like Cain or the Pilate or those who did not show and commit to action. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would always remind us, yes, it's the heart that counts, but also at the same time, it's the action that matters as well. May we be men and women of God who honor you from the inside out, not just from the inside. For we live in a broken, broken world. And there are so many people who are committing wrong acts, hurting others, abusing, taking advantage. But Lord, may we be godly men and women of God who will honor you in spirit and in truth. I pray, God, that you strengthen us here today, remind us what it means to have the good tree. To have the good tree means to be rooted in Jesus Christ. Lord, may we be rooted in you and in you alone. Holy Spirit, strengthen us here today and guide our hearts in a direction that will please you and honor you. Transform us, Lord, from the inside out and outward in. Renew our minds and renew our hearts so that we may honor you in all that we do. And may we worship you in spirit and in truth here today. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. Pray all these things. In your precious son, just cross me, pray. God's people pray. Amen. 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 All right, so let's stand to our feet and let's close the service. We'll sing it one time through uh, the path of life in Jesus, and then we'll close the service with the benediction. Let's worship together. together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip us with everything good in doing his will, and may he continue to work within us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people, we pray, amen Amen. and amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back.